I pray that you would take charge. I pray that you would glorify yourself. I pray that men's words be taken uh, for what they are. That men's words are without life. And it's these ancient words that you have spoken from cover to cover in this book that make us to see that we and ourselves can never fellowship with you. And that all things are of the spirit of God. We pray this, Lord. I pray this earnestly. In Jesus' name. Amen. I may be jumping around some today. I probably bit off as usual more than I can chew. So we'll get right into it. I want you to open in our Bibles to the book of Ephesians <laughs> chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Paul starts out, and this is what he says. And you, as he quickened who were dead in trespass and sin, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to to the prince of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lust of the flesh, the fulfilling of the desires of the flesh, and of the mind, interesting. I, I don't know that we've ever specifically differentiated between the desires of the flesh and the desires of the mind. But we know when Adam fell, he received uh, and became aware of those two things, lust of the flesh and the of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us. A lot of people like to stop at the love of God and think that the love of God uh, means that he will take us and receive us with, uh, without us repenting and coming to him, calling out that we might be delivered from sin and flesh. Even when you were dead in sin, hath God quickened us together with Christ. By grace are you saved. You should understand from that, that, uh, when one is dead in sin, he must be made alive. And has raised us up together. That means with Christ. We've been raised with Christ. Uh, made us to sit together in heavenly places 
in Christ Jesus. Why? That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and in his kindness towards us through Jesus Christ. By grace are you saved through faith. Two things there. We see the grace of God, which is that which he shows to us in allowing us to enter into the work of the cross of Jesus Christ, that he might show the riches of his grace and his kindness towards us through Jesus Christ. For by grace are you saved through faith and not of yourselves. I certainly hope I don't forget that point today. It is the gift of God. That means there is nothing that you can do to make it happen unless God bestows a work of power, the life uh, which is his and gives you that very life, includes you in himself, and in all of its righteousness, your righteousness remains as filthy rags before God. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. And that certainly says what James said. Uh, it is not that we do any work of power in our lives. It is not that we change ourselves in order to be acceptable to God, but God does something. And it is a mystery that he does a work of power, uh, which he hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Wherefore remember that ye being in time past, Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands. That is, the Jews um, would have called us the uncircumcision. But now we care not about the circumcision of the flesh, but the circumcision of the spirit, whereby the flesh that we all carry around is disempowered is cut off as long as we believe from having impact and direction in our lives. You and I might think that little works of the flesh uh, are winked at by God. I don't find that in the scripture. I find that what Jesus Christ did covered all work of the flesh. Therefore, we should maintain uh, a, uh, a vigil over our lives such that works of the flesh are, uh, are put down and only the righteousness that we are in Christ show through. At that time, this is when the Jews were calling Christians uncircumcision. At that time, you were without Christ. That is before the crucifixion. Being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. God did not choose to make 
the church into a new uh, Israel did not make uh, work to make us all Jews, but there forever will exist in eternity those who were Jews and those uh, who are Christians to the work of God after the cross. You should understand it is also salvation to the Jews whereby they will also, if they believe in the Messiah, that they will recognize uh, that he came, then they also are included uh, according to the covenant of promise. But we had no hope until Jesus Christ did his work in the world. We were without God, but now in Christ Jesus, who sometimes were far off, we are made near by the blood of Christ, and he is our peace. He's speaking there of the fact that we were enemies of God. All of those, whether Jew or Gentile, that are not born again of the Spirit of God, I hope to get into that, uh, we were enemies of Christ, and we were without salvation, and we had nothing to look forward to but being enemies of God for eternity. For those who will be in eternal darkness for all eternity will hate God. They will not be afforded grace by where they can receive Christ and get themselves out of perdition. There is uh, a time to receive Christ. That is while you have uh, life still in this earth, in the flesh, uh, and you, through faith, uh, come uh, to him and become his people. Having God, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is the fact that we're, we were enemies. He has reconciled us to God by his death. Even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, that is, the law and everything that revolved around it, all the uh, seemingly uh, never-ending um, ordinances uh, that Israel had to follow are nailed to the cross and have nothing to do with us and our salvation, neither will they have to do with the Jews. For all the sacrifices that and all the ordinances that were followed by the Jews were but a shadow and a type so that God wanted to teach them regarding things to come. That is, that they would all be fulfilled in the cross of Jesus Christ. Um, and he might reconcile both that is Jews and Gentiles unto God in one body by the cross, that is the body of those who are saved, both Jew and Gentile. And that includes everyone. 
And he came and others came and preached peace to them that were afar off and to them that were near, again, to Jews and Gentiles. For through him, we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Now, therefore, you, if you're saved, if you are born again, if you have the spirit of God, if you have turned away from your sin, if you count God as the one and most important uh, person and in effect the only person that counts in your life um, that we are made fellow citizens and have the household of God and are built upon the foundations of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone of that building in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord. Notice that the, the church and the, those Jews who will uh, grow into a temple of God uh, that there is a, a time period whereby one by one we let go and possibly not being aware of the sins of the flesh that we thought were non-consequential and we throw them off one by one by the power. We don't do this ourselves. We believe that God will do it, that he will apply his power to our lives in a way that we don't understand, nevertheless is real, that he will exert power whereby we might continually grow up into a holy temple in the Lord. In you whom uh, you also are built together with the habitation of God through the Spirit. And so these are the words of Ephesians 2. The whole gospel is there. Uh, you have it in your Bibles. I wonder how many of us have even read Ephesians chapter 2. Uh, going on, uh, there, were, there are many things I can say about Ephesians 2, but I want to turn over to a meeting that Christ had with a religious man. I have not talked to you today about being religious. I have not talked to you about going to church. I have not talked to you about praying a prayer. I have not talked to you about going through the motions that religious people go through. I have not talked to you about what are your personal concepts of salvation that you might dig up out of your inner being whereby you might be saved. I have talked to you about God and what he does when we believe 
And I must tell you that it never goes beyond believing. The work that is done is done by God. The reason he does it is because we believe. And so one night. John, John 5. Oh, I'm in John 3. John 3. One night, a man of the Pharisees, now the Pharisees were law keepers. They were, they were held up among the Jews as those who were perfect in keeping God's rules. Uh, I'll tell you straight up front that they were lost because they worked their works for God from their flesh. They thought that they could choose the right and reject the wrong, but they didn't do it in faith. They did it according to a code whereby they said, if you do these things, you shall live. But there was nothing about trusting in the good work of the cross of Jesus Christ. And they thought that their righteousness was something developed in themselves. Every one of those things that a man may do to make himself more acceptable unto God is an absolute work in futility. Now I'll read the words, John chapter three, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. People looked up to him. People thought he had found the way. People thought that he had attained the righteousness of God. And more importantly, he thought that he had obtained, obtained the righteousness of God. The same came to Jesus by uh, night. Uh, we kind of wonder if he didn't want other people to know that he came to Christ. Anyway, he came by night and he said, Rabbi, and of course, he only thought of Jesus as the great teacher. So maybe he could teach him some more rules, um, some um, uh, ways that he could become more righteous so he said we know that our teacher come from god for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except god be with him just a word about miracles my friends there are times in the bibles in the bible when many Miracles were done. There are time when there was not a great miracles done because the miracles were to be only a, an authentication that Jesus Christ was who he said he was. But after we saw the miracles, uh, no longer could we say that Jesus Christ was just a common man, then uh, hopefully those people and us, because we believe this word, uh, might know that Jesus Christ was not an ordinary man. He wasn't just a great teacher. He wasn't just a righteous man sent from God to show us how to be religious. He was something more, except uh, let's read it. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, the intimation there was that Nicodemus had all the earmarkings of keeping the law 
and therefore thought by the Jews to be a righteous man, but he was missing the, the only thing that would have brought him to God. And that was by being born again. He had to become uh, a completely new creation. Uh, Nicodemus uh, did not understand this. Nicodemus, therefore, asked him, saith unto him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? And so Nicodemus thought he had an ironclad argument to, uh, to what Christ had said. But Jesus answered, verily, verily, that is truly, truly, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So being born of a woman uh, is not akin to being, well, it's akin, but it is, it is uh, totally different from being born of the spirit. A man without Christ, born in the flesh only, has only the flesh. Uh, in a moment, I hope to get to the idea that every man born of the flesh, born of woman, is dead to God. He has, I mean, look, my friends, what does a dead man want? Uh, you go to a funeral, there is a a man or a woman lying in a coffin. And I say, they want nothing. And they, in the flesh, that body is absolutely dead. Well, the fact is that they had been dead all of their lives because God counts being alive is something that lasts forever and something that lasts 70 or 80 years and is totally without righteousness. There is no redeeming good. Uh, they have all gone out of the way. They have altogether been unprofitable. They are of no use and no glory to God whatsoever. You think of the best person that you know that isn't born again, but yet seems like a really good person. He is not going to be saved or brought into God's righteousness because it is his own and the only righteousness in the universe, the only righteousness that there is belongs to God. And there is none righteous, no, not one in themselves. Uh, we are teaching in our churches uh, largely that that is not true. But it is true. And Jesus answered, you've got to be born of the water that is cleansed and of the spirit that is made alive. It is the spirit that gives life, not the spirit of man. He doesn't understand the things of God. He cannot discern uh, the truth and therefore he remains uh, dead in trespass and sin. And so Jesus says in verse six, chapter three of John uh, three, or pardon me, uh, chapter three of John three, verse six, 
that which is born of flesh is flesh. The one who is born in the flesh and considers that to be life is dead. And he will always be flesh. Nothing will change that. And if he dies in the flesh without being born of the spirit, he will spend eternity in outer darkness, without hope, without uh, companionship, uh, without uh, any idea, actually, of what righteousness truly is. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit, and they are absolutely contrary one to the other. Marvel not that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind bloweth, it talks about the work of the spirit. You don't know where it listeth. In other words, you don't know where it's been, you don't know where it's going. Thou hearest the sound of it, but thou cannot tell whence it comes whither it goeth, so is everyone that is born of the Spirit. In other words, it is a mystery. It is not something that the flesh can see. It is not something that could be understood. It is the power of God, according to John, which says, um, Uh, I'm sorry, the verse escapes me. Uh, oh, oh, John says to as many as have received him, to them he gave what? He gave power to be the children of God. Notice it's a gift. You don't work for it. You can't clean yourself up enough. We're not speaking to anyone this morning, hoping that they will make themselves right in order to be acceptable unto God. It is a gift, but that gift comes only through faith. In other words, those who believe that God will do this will be born again and they will have the spirit of God. Nicodemus, uh, he's still not understanding. He answers and says unto him, how can these things be? Jesus answered him, art thou a master of Israel? He was, a re he was the top of the heap. He was at the pinnacle of being religious. And he had no idea what John was talking about. Uh, Jesus answered, thou art a master of Israel. You ought to know it, but you don't. And know it's not these things. Truly, truly, I say unto thee, we speak that which we know, we testify that which we have seen, and you receive not our witness. I hope that isn't true among any of us. I fear it may be that we do not understand that new life in Christ is absolute. New life in Christ will bring one to that place where they will spend eternity with him. New life in Christ is something that never leaves us. New life in Christ throughout 
the remainder of one's life brings uh, to fulfillment that which is righteous in God helps him to understand or does make him to understand it and therefore uh, he truly is a new person the scripture says if thou be in Christ thou art a new man all things listen all things what things are we doing that are still the old things what things will we not let go of? What amusements will we not let go of? Need, knowing that they are absolutely temporary, knowing that they will not help us to reach God, but knowing that what God requires is men that receive the spirit of God and therefore become alive and know that the only things that count is those things that God considers to be wrought of his righteousness, whether it be a word or deed or what we do with our lives, uh, God, knows the difference and if you don't know the difference you need to find out Jesus answered and said thou art a master of the Jews and you don't know this verily I say unto you we speak what we know that we have seen and you receive not our witness if I have told you of earthly things and you believe not, how shall you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? And no man hath ascended to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man, that is Jesus Christ. And as Moses lifted up the serpent, and the wilderness, so such, uh, pardon me, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. That means he had to die on that cross. If there be no cross, if there, if there be no death, if there be no burial of Christ, if there be no resurrection from the dead, then we of all men believe that uh, are most miserable but that is not true for those who receive Jesus Christ for if I can get to it I will read to you that those who are born of the spirit of God know it their lives show it and they will confess that he is their life. Let me make it very clear. The life that is of the flesh is temporary and will end in 70 or 80 years and maybe sooner in death. And that death is the death of the total man. That life that Jesus Christ gives us is a life that we don't even have a spark of it. But he gives us that life and it is total. It uh, permeates the entire man. It brings him out of darkness and it brings him to see the truth. So whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but shall have eternal life and then that verse that most of us learned when we were child for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son do you think that there was another there is another way 
for you to receive the life of God, the righteousness of God, the mind of God, the grace of God, except it come through the Son. And why did he have to die? He had to die on the cross to pay for your sins. He died on the cross whereby he might become sin for you. He died on that cross that you would not have to die at all. Because the scripture says that he that received Jesus Christ, though he be dead, he shall live. Speaking of the death of the body, but speaking of the life and of the uh, which can, uh, is in the spirit, is in the soul, and eventually those who go to Christ will receive a new body that is not steeped in sin and will be just like his body, not a mortal body, but a spiritual body. So that whosoever believeth in him should not have, uh, uh, should not perish, but have everlasting life. Well, there's more to that. You should, I'm going to read verse 19, however, of chapter 3 of uh, uh, John chapter 3, this is the condemnation that light has come into the world, that is Christ, and men, and to our shame, and to our great sorrow. He didn't come in the world to condemn it. But the condemnation is that light has come and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. I feel it incumbent upon me to tell you that you cannot serve two masters. Listen to me. You think you... Uh, we'll pay homage to a little bit of the world and a little bit of Christ. It cannot be done. You will either love the one and hate the other, or you'll hate the one and love the other. There is no middle ground. And so the master, that the, uh, the one who is born again, sir, is Christ. And now, looking into 1 Corinthians, I'm looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 2. This is what it says. It says that the, the gospel, that is the preaching of Jesus Christ and him crucified and him raised from the dead for us is wisdom. And so Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 7, but we speak of the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew. The smartest of us did not know it. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, mm -hmm. I have not seen, 
this is talking about the man in the flesh. This is talking about the man that's not born again. As it is written, I have not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. For those of us who are born of God, love him dearly. But God hath revealed them to us, how? By his spirit. For the spirit, you think you have a secret from God? Ha, you have no secret from God. For the spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of, of man? All of us, when we are in the flesh, understand the things of man. Some Christians, uh, so-called, try to uh, split it between the things of man and the things of God. And it is not possible for what man knoweth the things of man, say the spirit of man that is in him. And I will uh, tell you that the scripture says that uh, the spirit of man without God is dead, is dead. He cannot understand anything that has to God. What knoweth the things of a man save the spirit of man which is in him. Even so, the things of God knoweth no man, but the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which of God, which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely when we're born again we don't have to work at it the things that god will teach us are freely given which things we speak in the words which man's wisdom teaches but that which the holy ghost teaches comparing their spiritual things with spiritual but the natural man, that is the un, unrepentant, not born again individual, but the natural man receiveth not the things of the spirit of God. Oh, people go to such great lengths, they think, to be religious. They attend church. They hold their hands in the air. They... Uh, praise God in song and all the rest and it is for nothing because the natural man does not receive the things of the spirit of God why because they are foolishness to him I watch the faces of people uh, who are not excited by the things that God has done. And I wonder, but God knows their heart and God searches them. And he knows whether they are of him or whether they have been playing a game. For the things of God are foolishness to the natural man, neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual, in other words, he that has received the spirit of God, the, the one that has been born again, uh, he judges everything, every part of his life, everything 
outside of it. He looks at and he knows whether that is of God or that is of the flesh. That is the temptation, but God promises us that there is no temptation that has taken us, but as such as is common to man, and God will not suffer you to be tempted uh, by that, but he will, with the temptation, make a way of escape. And I tell you that that way of escape is believing. And if one believes as he looks at the works and the things of the world that mean nothing for eternity, he will recognize them as such. And no man judges him for who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him. This is God's way. I, I do not apologize for the fact that it is a very narrow way and that it is the only way to, to come to God is through Jesus Christ because he died on the cross. He raised from the dead and he calls you to be his own, having forgiven you all your trespass and sin. And I will say to you, it will be past, present, and future. However, every one of us who comes to God eventually will see the carnality of our life, and we will confess that to God, and he will forgive us. That is a normal Christian life. And it, some of it may come later or earlier, but God is going to present to himself a perfect church without spot and without blemish. And each of us, should understand that there is no room in our lives for, for that which is contrary to the spirit of God and God knows. And he knows about all of the ways that we have of saying that, well, it's okay. God, God looks at it and God knows that we are only flesh I'm sorry, God knows that we have been given the spirit and he expects us to walk accordingly. And he says, but we have the mind of Christ. I thank in a way, I've told you here that there are wages. The wages of being born again are eternal life. The wages are peace. The wages are happiness. The wages are to uh, not to be carrying the weight of sin. But the wages of sin, according to Romans chapter 6, is death. I didn't say that. You want to be angry with somebody this morning, you can be angry with me. But it will make no difference because you're really angry with God. You don't like the fact that God has called you out of those things that you naturally love and told you to put them away, put them under the blood, and to live your life for Christ. I am going to finish according 
to First John chapter five. I must tell you that when I came to know Christ over 50 years ago, that this verse, when the question came, how can I know that I have Christ? How can I know? And the man who led me to Christ read this passage out of 1 John and suddenly the life, the life of God flooded into my life and he never left. He didn't leave me in the darkest place I was or be, uh, later on in dark places. Yet the truth was there that God would be victorious in my life. That the power of God was greater than the power of sin. And that the God, the, the power of God was true and real. And it's brought me now uh, to think of him and all that I do, I say, I want everything is come from God. And so John said, if we receive the witness of men, and there's lots of that in our churches today. There's a lot that has to do with what man thinks. Some of you may wonder why I spend my time in preaching and teaching uh, as long as I can out of the scripture. It is because I know the scripture is true and I will not give you, I refuse to give you my opinions about the way to God because he has told us better than I ever can say. In fact, I may say something, uh, things that are being said, that God is in you, and all you have to do is to find him, that there are many ways to God. All you have to do is find one, and he will receive you, whether you believe in God or Allah or Krishna or Buddha. Uh, it makes no difference. You think and man thinks often that any way will lead to God. But this is the witness of God. For this is the witness of God, verse 9 and first John chapter 5, which he hath testified. In his son. Do you think this is probably the truth? He that believeth on the son hath this witness in himself. I don't know how I say it, but I believe it with all my heart. I know that I have eternal life. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not hath made him a liar. You think God is going to deal well and good and grace to those who has believed that he has lied. No. You make God a liar, it's blasphemy because you believe not the record and he's rotted off down for 
next year. More than we even need. This uh, because he has believed not the record that God gave of his son. And this is the record. Here it is. That God has given to us eternal life. And this life is in his son. Not in yourself. It's in the Son. He that hath the Son has life. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God. What's it say? Does it say these things have, be, have come to you or these things have been given unto you for those of you who make themselves acceptable unto God? No. Doesn't say that. Those People who do great religious works and give time and money uh, and maybe many words, then they have the Son of God? No. It says, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name, just his name. He says that in another place. Those who just believe on his name. Works are not required. Works flow naturally from the spirit. But they are not the reason we're saved. They are but a byproduct of being saved. Why does he do that? Why does he say that? What does he say that we only have to believe? Well, he tells us that you, whoever you are, that you may know that was the word that got me. That you may know that you have eaten eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the son of God and this is the confidence that we have in him once we are born of God we have that wonderful relationship where we can talk to him, where we can let him know what are the desires of our heart, that we can call out to him when we're in need, that we can come to him, that we might be delivered from whatever it is that would separate us from God. We have an absolute, direct line to God. But if you leave that line to be dead, to not be carrying your prayers to God, what do you expect he will do if you don't ask? If you don't believe that every promise that he has given you is yea and amen. My friend, I have done this message this morning so you would understand that being born again is not a result only of having 
said what is often called the sinner's prayer. It is a life that you receive when you become born again, and that life continues in you. That life is, is all-encompassing in that it will root out every sin, every darkness in your life to the point that you will have peace with God and you will have the certainty that you may know that you have eternal life because you will have that witness from God you have that witness from the word and you will have that witness in your heart. And so there is no place for being skeptical. There is no place for wondering. Oh, I hope I'll go to heaven. I sure hope so. <laughs> there will never be that. It will be, I know whom I have believed in. And I am persuaded, not that I'm able, but he is able. That's what born again depends on him because he, through his son, has paid the price for us. We are bought with that price that he has done all that was required against the day that we, every one of us, one way or the other, will stand before a righteous, a fair, and almighty God who cannot lie. Yeah. Thank you, Father. Thank you. I can only say thank you. Because it was all done by you. The only thing you required from me, Lord, was to believe. And I have believed. And for 50 years and greater than that, Lord, I have never in my darkest place not believed. I was found unfaithful, but he has always been faithful. We thank you, Lord. I pray for these people that they Lord God, will be as confident as I am in the work that you have done. I pray for them that they will not be confused by the fact that they are trying to serve two masters because it doesn't work. You deserve all of us. And that's what happens when we believe. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You want to do this song?